Hey guys, welcome to Person About Town, now presented by Women in Comedy Festival. Yeah, it's uh, it's an early morning. Uh, well, not early to most of you because you have day jobs, but it's early to me. It's 8 o'clock, and we're here at Diesel. But we've got a special guest, so why don't you tell them uh, who you are and why this is your favorite place. Hey everybody, I'm Obehi Janice, and I'm an actress, writer, and comedian. We are at Diesel Cafe. So Diesel is my favorite place for a specific purpose and reason. Um, I currently live with a couple, a friend, friends of mine from church, and their baby, and I can no longer get work done in my apartment, so <laughs> Diesel is the place that I retreat to um, for my early morning kind of like productivity hour or two. Um, I, can, I cannot handle Diesel when there's more than 16 people. I'm not here. <laughs> so that's why the Diesel's my favorite place. <laughs> yeah, this is a very, this bar or bar, this cafe can be very, very crowded. What are the times when it is the least populated? Yeah, so it's actually, um, they open, God, I don't want to speak for, where's my phone? Where are they? Um, I think they're open at like 6.30 or 7. So I get here at 7. No, earlier. Yeah, I, I sometimes get here at like 6.30. Um, there's nobody here. It's really quiet. Um, and, and like, there's nobody here. So they, they, I think, honestly, the best time to hit up Diesel is not a weekend, like the, the six to nine kind of hour. Because I'll be honest, like, actually, you'll, you're going to see when it hits 8.30, um, it's going to start filling up. And those are people who think that they're actually on time. Yeah. But actually, no, they're not. <laughs> I was on time. I claimed. And also, what's really awesome, like, when we walked in, I was just like, ooh, new, new, new bent. What did I say? New, um, new boots. Like they, they re, they reupholstered. Like, or honestly, what I think they did is they just like, like disintegrate, like, like, like pulverize the old um, cushion booth seats, and yeah. they put in these beautiful new ones. I'm like, thank God, because like me, the regulars, like we were struggling with like our office space, looking like shit, you know. So. Like, <laughs> So this is like people would be able to find you, not like that people are looking for you, but like <laughs> like not, not like people are stalking you or something. To be honest, I do. I would actually say this is what I love is like I don't run into people at the top of the morning, top yeah. of the top of the morning. Um, I don't. So <laughs> no, you can't find me here unless you wake up at six a.m. like I do every morning. Yeah. So how is it living with a baby? How how is that? It's crazy. I mean, I mean, I'm about to talk shit about my roommates. It's actually all in love, which is funny. Um, no, these I can give you sort of the sort of like the how how did I get there? Because I think it actually says a lot about just the situations I find myself in. Maybe maybe not so much. Maybe I'm kind of like over sort of like making it more than it needs to be anyways. I think it's because like I'm 28, I'm about to turn 29 and I'm just kind of like, I live with a baby and this is very weird. A baby that is not my own. So essentially like she is my third roommate and I'm just kind of like, this is a lot. Um, I lived in Dorchester for like, God, um, four years-ish. And I had a nice sweet part, so sort of like a sweet point in that time where I had these awesome roommates who were artists like me. We had similar schedules. Like, we'd all get home late at night. We'd all wake up crack of dawn to get our day jobs at all, cooking and all this crap. And I just had this nice flow. Two, those two women left my life. Um, like, they both went to grad school. So it's like, it was the first time where I, I had roommates who were friends. Like, I never yeah. knew what that was like. Um, or more so friends who we understood each other's lives. Does yeah. that make sense? Like, now it's kind of like, we're having dinner together and, like, breaking bread every night. No, no, no. Like, we just, like, we knew what was up. 
it was like it was it was nice like collective energy. They left, yeah. and immediately um, we had I had these two other roommates come in. So mind you, living it's like a four girl house, which I think is nobody else do that. Please, we need to stop doing that to each other. But two other girls moved in. They were not artists. There was like a teacher and a student. Um, my other roommate friend was like also becoming. She like quit her job to go back to school. All this stuff, and then. Like, we had this mice infestation. Oh, My landlord was awesome. Sweet guy. I remember specifically, like, he was always kind of vacillating between, like, being present or not because his wife actually had, like, cancer. Oh. So there is a way in which, like, I just felt for him. And he... Dorchester landlords are shit. Like, they're not good. <laughs> but when they have empathy and a heart, like, it, they really have empathy and a heart, yeah. you know? So long story short, <clears throat> Mice. I'd come home after a show, open the door, and I'd just, like, see one scuttle across my kitchen. And I know that mice are normal. I know that we accept it, but still. So it was becoming an issue. And then, very, very old Dorchester triple-decker. What happens in those triple-deckers is the heat system is, like, just super messed up. So if you have the room that heat does not get to, like, it will not get to you. I had that room. I had the biggest room. I had these, like, beautiful mosaic windows that just like like just strewn like this beautiful light like it was gorgeous like I mean like I love the aesthetics of my room but I would really be like honestly almost to tears every night free like just freezing like even right now in October it would get really cold so I broke my lease and um and I I really this is a philosophy a belief of mine but I really believe that like when a transition has to happen it should be easy and around that time my friend from church was just like hey, we have a room in our house. And like, she could just hear the despair of my voice. She's like, we have a room in our house. Um, and she's like, come through. And like, I'm like, are you serious? And that's how I ended up there. Okay. They're, they've been married for like a bit. And yeah. I knew in my heart, I'm just kind of like, when are y'all having a baby? And of course, I'm in their house. I'm just kind of like, they must be getting pregnant soon. <laughs> and, and lo and behold, they actually were. Like, so um, they had their baby in January. I remember specifically that it was almost a toilet baby because they were having a home birth. I was on my way to a filming. I was, like, filming something for a friend. And, um, like, snowing. Yeah, January 25th. And I remember I needed to collect my toiletries from the bathroom so that, like, I could have things to wash myself with for the week because I didn't want to be around the house um, with a newborn. And, like, I'm knocking on the door, and I'm like, oh, my. And she's just like, oh, I'm just, I'm on the toilet. And I'm like, oh, my. Because the baby was, like, she was due. She was yeah. expect Because the midwife or the, the doula, whatever they called yeah. themselves, was coming. And I'm just being like, she's about to have a toilet baby. <laughs> I left. Um, I think, like, she, she left the bathroom. I grabbed all my, my shit. And I was just like, bye, have yeah. a baby. And, and then I guess, like, fast forward, it's just been, it's been great. It's, like, it's been interesting to observe um, my friend definitely developed the mommy brain. Yeah. I mean, mommy brain is very interesting, and because I don't want to be a mother for a, a while, yeah. I don't want to be around it. Like, even, like, I love my godson. Um, I have a godson in New Jersey, but even, like, my friend, my sister in New Jersey, like, she just, everything is about the baby. And, I, and again, as it should be. But it's just, as somebody who is single, very much... I guess you'd say I'm going to marry to my career. I would say, like, my, my baby, my focus is my career right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't be around that energy. Yeah. So, like, that's why I'm here. That's why I wake up at 6 a.m. and, like, come to Diesel. So that's, that's just a whole lot of information for everybody to hear. But that's my life right now. I know. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, cool. She also, she just stares at me all the freaking time. The baby? Or? She's like a white baby, too. Oh. So she'd just be looking at me and, like, smiling. And I'm just kind of like, do you want to be me? <laughs> Like, do you know, do you know what you're staring at? Yeah. 
and I want, and I, the thing is I can't break that habit of like staring at black women for her because like I live with her. So she just kind of like go to places and stare at other black women and it's my fault. <laughs> so I don't really know what to do. So I just kind of mind my own business. I'm just kind of like, all right, little, little baby, little white baby. <laughs> I just, I have no responsibility whatsoever. You're like, okay, baby. I like that you described it as just, like, a third roommate that you have to deal with. But, like, that seems like the worst type of roommate. Like, like no, don't be wrong. Like, I accept no, the no. presence of babies in the universe. But, like. the worst type of roommate. I mean, like, I will say she's fairly quiet. Like, she, she's not annoying, but it's just, it's more of the kind of, like, like, she. <laughs> Like, she just sits there. She doesn't do anything. She doesn't clean. Like, she doesn't contribute to the function of the apartment. So, I mean, I've now become, like, the fourth. It's like, I'm the fourth roommate. I'm just like, no, you're the fourth roommate. Like, I'm just like, you're the one who came. I was here before you. So, it's, it's just so weird. And I, and I try to, like, reflect and be like, okay, it's nice to, like, and I know I'm not the first person to live with a married couple. So, I'm like, okay, so it's cool to, like, observe marriage, observe parenthood but mostly it can it just affirms the fact that I the path that I'm on even though it's so weird and frustrating it is my path like I need to not worry about not being married <laughs> like I shouldn't worry about that at all right now. so do you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about your path like what you do creatively kind of how you transition from like day job to like just being like I am a creative person who gets to do that all the time. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely do that, that path story. Um, went to Georgetown to study uh, politics, international relations, oh, wow. diplomacy. Yeah, so I, I have my degree in foreign service from Georgetown. Um, my goal was to be, like, the Democratic or independent parties, like Condoleezza Rice, like, nice. except without the bob, different <laughs> hair. Yeah. I, at, at the time, I played trumpet. Um, so I was just like, I have a hobby. Like, I had a plan yeah. to work for the government, um, to represent the government abroad. Um, the minute I got to Georgetown, I was like, no, 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 no. Um, my classes, my classmates, I could just see them. I'm just like, especially these like, white chicks were just like really into Africa. And I'm just kind of like, I hate you. And then the guys were just like, it's funny, they were like tiny little Trumps or tiny little Bill Clintons and just sort of like, I'm like, I don't like you. Like, I, I could just see that, like, I'm like, are these my coworkers? And I knew that the, sometimes the path is either like you do public service or you like you work for Deloitte and yeah. do like consulting. And I could just see that I would be so unhappy. Right. So slowly but surely, I just figured out that I was going to do theater, and like I was a part of this black theater ensemble, did my own work, um, kind of just did that whole Georgetown type of like I was definitely studying one thing to make sure that my mom was happy. Um, I did not, you know, like I didn't transfer colleges. Like we have, it's very, it's very Harry Potter at Georgetown. There's like a business school, um, a college of a college of fun, right. Freaking, you know what I mean? Like a college, um, a foreign service school, and then I'm a, a nursing public health school. All very reputable schools are so awesome and amazing. Yeah. Um, so I did not change schools. I mean, I could have just like gotten an English major, but I was like, no, I'm going to finish this little degree that I have in foreign service and like figure myself out. And then I, you know, I graduated and then I moved home with my mom um, in Lowell because it was a recession. And also I was like crazy depressed and just like I needed to sort of like recenter. So I was in Lowell for two years and then I moved to Dorchester in 2011. And throughout that time I had been auditioning in Boston. Um, I worked at Starbucks for like a year. It did from like 2010, 2000, it was awful. Um, not even a year, I didn't last. I just couldn't, oh God, it was awful. Um, 
And what else did I do? And you know, honestly, I did a lot of teaching. And I say that right now, if you can't see my face, those who are listening, but my face is like so scrunched up. I taught theater for years, for years. I taught theater in Boston Public Schools, um, uh, theater companies, nonprofits, all ages. I know, it's, and I'll be honest, I mean, somebody would tell you otherwise, I was an awful theater teacher. I, I ultimately quit because teachers, for me, are like these like missionaries. Like it's very noble work. And when you do it well, you change people's lives. Right. So I was just feeling guilty. I'd be coming home kind of like I get a paycheck to like make sure my acting career is not like totally failing. Yeah. But like I hate this job. And these kids need like a real mentor, you know? Um, so that's kind of the the path that it, it took. I finally quit teaching God. It's actually it feels so long ago now because like it really was like a while ago. My last teach, my last, I'll say my last full-time teaching job, because I do teach workshops now and then, yeah. was like 2013, 14. And then I started working at box office in Boston. And then I just quit that this January. So I've been freelance. Freel- I've been freelancing now since January. Nice. It was like a really clean break. And I'm just like, I'm done. Um, my taxes are going to suck, but I'm going to make it work. And I'm just going to just only make art. Or if I'm doing random contracts it's like art related if that makes sense so like a lot of my freelance work these days is like besides my acting work and like comedy work and writing I like direct videos for a friend who runs a startup and then like I do a lot of voiceover so that's like my kind of like way to make it work um and to pay my bills so what are like I've seen you in some productions around town but what are some of the ones that you were particularly excited about what are some of the things on the horizon that you are excited to have happen yeah, I'd definitely say We're Gonna Die was a high point in my career. I mean, it's a solo show-ish, um, more of a cabaret with, like, pop rock, pop rock music. And to be honest, the subject matter it was just totally up my alley about, like, death, depression, intimacy, um, sort of longing, and, like, questioning mortality. I mean, I, I love talking about that stuff. Um, and then I, I could challenge myself by singing, yeah. which is something I don't do. You know, I don't sing. Ever. So to be able to sing... That's a singing-heavy show. It's a singing-heavy show. So um, Steve Sorrow from Improv Boston was the music director, and in, in he and then the assistant director, um, Josh Glenn Caden, they just taught me how to sing. And then the director, Sean LeCount, so I know this sounds hard, so I'm like, blah, 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 all these titles, but it, it makes sense in my mind. The director, Sean LeCount, who essentially is like shaping the image of the show and also helping with the monologues, you know, he was able to just get me to kind of refine my, refine my tactics as a solo performer. Okay. I think usually I'm known for these things, these like series of monologues and pieces that I title Foo Four and Oreos, but to me it's never going to be finished <laughs> until, until I say it's finished. But I'm known for that piece because I did it myself. I've gone from self-directing to working with director, and I still have not found a sort of like, combination for that show that I like but it if I didn't do that show and create that show on my own I don't think that I would have had the training to do a show like We're Gonna Die which I didn't write right so that's what excited me was more like knowing that see they're all coming in you see it and what time is it it's 8 30 um so that's what I'd say was the this is the pinnacle of my career like it just like it was the first time where I got like 
genuinely awesome reviews which now it's funny now I like I don't I don't care for them because like reviews should not run your career um before but before it was just nice because I think before I didn't get anything like I played a lot of supporting roles always you know sort of like the luminous of Beijing is the la, 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 and it's fine but like I was like I was running this shit like I was running this ship even so and that was a blessing on the horizon to be honest, there's actually nothing crazy coming up for me. Um, I'm kind of in a dry spell. I'm traveling to East Africa to teach some storytelling workshops and to just sort of like observe theater and like live my life, um, which is exciting. Um, I'm, I'm also like I got that through a grant that's, a, like the, that's in collaboration with Company One Theater and TCG. And it's a weird grant. I still don't understand it. But it's it did change my life. Part of It's part of the reason why I took the courage to go freelance because like it... It doesn't, the grant doesn't pay me, but it gave me, like, enough monies that I could, like, I'm helping, it's, like, helping me pay back some school loans. Yeah. And then, like, I just know that this is money that I can use to, like, work on my career, yeah. right? So then that was kind of like, you know what, I just need to, like, quit my day jobs. Right. Um, so that's what I'm doing with my grant is traveling and just, like, just giving myself the space to just think, I think, a little bit more, which is kind of scary for me, but... Because I like to work, but also I, I'm realizing more and more, because I'm getting older, <laughs> I don't want to... I don't want to do projects that I'm not passionate about anymore, yeah. which I think that's why We're Gonna Die is such a blessing to me because I was kind of like, yeah, I should only be doing work that means something to right. me and to others. I'm good. Um, on the, and then on the horizon, like, I'm doing a little project in New York with this collective called My Barbarian, really weird kind of play about, like, um, you know, the election results and, yeah. like, um, sort of what do, when, when we think of things be, like, apocalyptic, like, and, and I'm, again, things that interest me. Yeah. Um, and then I'm doing, like, a play in April. And then, to be honest, I'm actually, I think part of the reason why I come to Diesel is I need to focus. Like, I am I am on my way out of Boston soon. Where? Well, either New York or L.A., honestly, depending on where I get employed. Um, New York has theater. L.A. has screen. Um, so either place, I mean, ideally as an actor, I'd love to be bi-coastal. Yeah. And, and then as a creator, I'd love to work anywhere. I'd love to collaborate with anybody like across the world, which I think that's what I'm sort of working on right now is like making sure that at any time I can just say like, hey, do you need like a collaborator? Or like, can I, can I escape to your country? <laughs> or like, can I escape to your city? Um, so I think it's more like not like ditching Boston, but knowing that I think I've kind of hit a point also, I do believe in the seven-year rule. I've been here for seven years. But I, and I can even count it as sort of like my career definitely started jumping off in 2010. So when I think about next year, 2017, being like the seven-year mark, it feels proper that it's time to move on. That's just me. Um, yeah. So that's what's on the horizon. Yeah, it is cool, but also crazy. Yeah. Yeah. How long are you going to be in Africa for? Like three weeks. Nice. Uh, like all of November. Yeah, it's it's a long time. I'm missing Thanksgiving. Yeah. I had a really awkward conversation with my mom about that. Like we she is she is a woman of, of tradition and um yeah, yeah. Actually Nigerians celebrate Thanksgiving, like we're really about Thanksgiving. Um oh, yeah, girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, it's real. So um we yeah, my mom makes like a full dinner, turkey and everything and I think I'm the first person I think it's the first time that like one of her children will not be like in the country. Yeah, for Thanksgiving. It's, it's kind of insane, yeah. So tell me a little bit about, because, like, I met you through comedy. How did you get involved in Boston's comedy scene? <laughs> I have to laugh. <laughs> my, my role in Boston comedy scene feels so, like, contrived and weird and, like, lovely and just, like, a mistake and an accident. 
because I think it's like I'm sorry, y'all. I'm like eating some awesome oatmeal. So if you hear my 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 mouth smacking, it's like oats and flax, ginger snap, instant oatmeal from Whole Foods. Um, I laugh because it's like I I still don't really know what type, what type of comedian I am. I think that's why I'm laughing. Um, I needed. <laughs> some release so in 2013 or was it 2012 i'm forgetting now but 2013 um i took a leap and i auditioned for um the herald yeah. at improv boston or i was just auditioning in general for stuff at ib and they cast me um i don't think they should have <laughs> no i don't think i'll be honest like i guess we can get into this odd conversation of tokenism or anything but it, it wasn't more so that i think that you know i'm smart black girl, glasses, I don't look like everybody um, at IB, although that is changing. And I think that, I'd actually say I liked, I think I'm part of that. Um, I don't take, I don't like broadcast that, but I do see that like after I had done the Herald, I think that I was able to also convince some black women to be like, you need to like get into this institution because these people need us. Like they need black people. Um, The Herald was really hard for me. And I think that they cast me because I'm like, I'm definitely funny in some way, but the Herald is like this weird monster. And I think that the cultishness of it is purposeful. Like if you believe in the Herald, you will do the Herald well. You may suck for like years, but I think that if I had stuck with it, I would have gotten like really, really good. So much so now that like, even when I move, I have no desire to like join UCB or like IO. Like I don't, it's not my it's not my love language as yeah. a comedian. Um, but what I learned was if I'm gonna make comedy with people, yeah. I've gotta love these people. Right. And that's it. Like I was comparing notes with other improvisers, current or former, who watched you know Don't Think Twice, yeah. and we were just comparing notes. And I was kind of like, did you not feel like crying? Because like there's just these odd. Um, you know, the improvisation movie I'm directed by Mike Birbiglia, like, there's just these odd moments, like, when you're doing improv where you know, like, it's not working. Yeah. And then there's moments of, like, just brilliance where you're just kind of like, this is, like, this is what religion should feel like. You know what I mean? Like, you literally know that there's, you're channeling something that's not about you, and I think that's the scary part, and when it doesn't happen all the time, it's just awful. But what was lovely about it was getting to connect with, like, the people there and... I got to do my own work. So, like, I was doing the Herald. I wasn't doing it very well. But I decided, you know, I think Fufu and Oreos actually needs a comedic bent. I think it's been too much of a solo show. And I want to sort of, like, stretch my muscles as a comedian and as a stand-up and just see what happens. So I um, I roped in Rosna Cornett to produce, like, a couple of my shows at, like, Comedy Lab, and then we did, like, a run of it, and, like, that sort of year and a half of, like, workshopping stuff at IB, it was extremely formative in my sort of development as a comedian storyteller, Mm -hmm. and I'm so grateful for that, and it just felt like, I think, though, I will say maybe, like, sort of wistfulness in my eyes is more like it was still lonely because I think I still wanted the kind of community that comes with doing like short form and like long form full time but then but then it was able but then it was great to know that like my comedic voice is it does lie in storytelling you know that's kind of what it is it's like I can watch improv and literally like have all these feelings but like for myself it just didn't work so that's kind of how I found myself in the scene and Right now, I'm really struggling, actually, in general, no matter where I go, with really balancing being an actor and being a comedian. Yeah. So doing stand-up is hard because I don't have the time. Yeah. 
So what I think I'm going to have to start doing is just like creating more um, like skits for the web. Nice. Like so I have this one skit like Black Girl Yoga where funny enough I'm rapping which is so again it's just like I find myself wanting to do a musical thing so I think if I do more of that then it'll kind of feed the, the stuff that I'm trying to do because like I try to do mics I try to get booked and when I'm available I just do it and I go ahead yeah. first but like mostly it's just really hard yeah, yeah. Doing a theater production, it seems like that takes up. That takes up. That's actually that's ooh, that's what it was about the Herald. I was so freaking busy. Like I think I booked like two shows when I was on a team, yeah. and like I had like I and again like I know we don't get paid, but the thing is, you know, when you're committed to a team, you're committed to a team. Like that's yeah. what it's about. And I missed like I never forget. I missed like shows, Kenise. Yeah. Like and I felt so awful, and it was awful. And it showed me I was just like, okay, I, I can't do improv because it 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 logistically does not work with yeah. a theater schedule. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And you were right. It is slowly but surely filling up. This is a lot of people's office. Girl, we are. it's so funny what's happening right now. Yeah. Like straight up, like, people have computer setups. Like, they, like, they have their spot that I think that they probably go to every single day. Actually, the guy who's um, for Boots Above Us, that's his spot every morning. And I kind of want to know everybody's, like, professions. You know what I mean? Because I see, like, composition notebooks. I see, like, MacBook. Like, depending on the person, I'm just kind of like... Or I see, like, papers and a laptop. And I'm kind of like, okay, you need an office. Yes. You need to go get a co-working space. Yeah, it'll be one person in a booth that is designed for four people. And they're just like, no, I need all of this space. And I don't think Diesel's ever going to fix that. Like, yeah. sometimes I hit up Cafe Nero in Back Bay. And they're funny. They're very, like, just stupid, but, like, Italian-inspired. And they write, like on the bench are like, this bench is made for two or more. Be nice or something, yeah. right? But like, and, and people, people, people kind of, but they do. Yeah. So actually, I think if Diesel actually put a sign and said like, hey, hey people who need to actually buy co-working space, yeah. um, <laughs> you need to give up this booth. Y'all yeah. need to co-work together. Yeah. I think that maybe they would have like more capacity in the cafe because literally what, literally what happens, which is what you said, like, all of these, like, these eight booths in the cafe are dominated by, like, one person each. Yeah. So they're losing out on, let's do the math, um, yeah. three times eight. It's 24. Yeah. They could have 24 more people yeah. working in the space. Or, like, I feel like these people should make friends with each other if they're here every single day. And then, like, boom, boom, boom. It's like, hey, Tom. I know. I don't think I'm ever going to know their names. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to know their names. What if, what if Tom dies? I'll never know if he died. Yeah. It'll just be like, oh, maybe he moved. Or... Maybe he moved. Maybe he found another booth in another cafe. And that's it. There is a cafe that is never populated, and it's because I, their food is terrible. I hate all everything. Um, Blue Shirt Cafe. Oh, is it bad food? I, I hate their food so much. I've gotten their food so many times and just been like, this is... This, like, legit doesn't taste good. <laughs> like, how do you fuck up guacamole? Like, it's got, like, the, everything in guacamole is good, but you've made it taste bad. Uh, I know what you mean. I think Blue Shirt is one of those cafes that just appropriates everybody else's food. And it's just like, we do vegan food. Like, look at this Mexican vegan thing. Like, I actually, I looked up their Yelp reviews, and they were so very Somerville. I was just like, Somervillians, you don't know what good food is, do you? Like, do better. Not to poop on the Somervillians, but like... I've heard bad things. You're so funny. Diesel's okay. I mean, so you know what's funny? The coffee here is awful. Really? I don't drink coffee, so I don't know. Yeah, so I'm going to stop drinking coffee, I think, because of what I've experienced at Diesel. So they, I think it's just what they're brewing. They brew, like, Intelligentsia, and it's just not very good. I, um, you know the best coffee is um, Behi, I think. 
think you have this mariposa in Cambridge. Yeah, if we were actually to like to really like kind of like hunker down in like my favorite place, my favorite cafe in Boston, Cambridge is actually Mariposa in Central Square, which is funny because they're slow as hell. That I don't know if you have you been there before. It's great, but we could not have like had actually had um, sort of white noise yeah. that we needed because like you can hear everything in that cafe. So it'd have been crazy. Um, but their coffee, the, the coffee is brewed so well. Um, who else has good coffee? And then Thinking Cup always has good coffee. Yeah. But coffee for me right now is this weird thing. So I was actually drinking coffee um, the whole run of We're Gonna Die, yeah. which is funny because I, I'm not a hippie, but I consider myself somebody who wants to live a little longer. Right. So I'm trying to like eat cleaner, whatever that means, you know, more money, more problems. Um, so for some reason, I just started drinking more coffee because I think, honestly, I was up Krakadon and I was kind of like, okay, I know that I have this crazy, this happens a lot, but I'm getting better at it. Like I have like this crazy long day where I have a meeting at nine and another meeting at seven. Yeah. So how am I going to sustain? And I, if you, it's so funny, like every, I think every month, you know, these people come out with studies about benefits or not benefits of coffee because people really rely on it as a drug. So they want to know, am I going to die? That's all, that's all we do, right? So I decided, I'm like, if, but if I don't drink it after two, then I won't have those heart palpitations yeah. at two in the morning yeah. that's good. that make me feel like I'm dying. But one day at rehearsal, I actually like felt this weird tingling like in my solar plexus, like right under like my boobs and like above my intestines. And I was just like, hey, guys, like, what does heartburn feel like? And one of my bandmates described to me, and I was kind of like, yeah, I'm experiencing heartburn. So it hit me that, like, the, the acid in the coffee, my body is not used to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And also, like, I'm a former acid reflux sufferer. So, like, that stuff is real, dude. You got to be careful. I just, I think I, like, yesterday I went to a concert, and I was talking to my friend on the phone. I was kind of like, should I have some coffee? Will I be okay? She's like, honestly, like, we need to also just like listen to our bodies and just like if we need to sleep, go to sleep. Yeah. Maybe your body needs a banana or like an apple, not coffee. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to. I think now I'm not sort of on a on a what do you call it a cleanse, yeah. but I'm sort of like weaning myself off of caffeine and it's it's. I feel better. I feel a little less like jerky. That's good. <laughs> good. I um, I also had a thing, but it wasn't coffee. It was seltzer water. So like I had a job where like that was the water. Was it polar? Uh, yeah, it was those like it was cans of polar seltzer water, and like the carbonation like started to really mess with my stomach. So now like I just don't have anything that's carbonated. Yeah, it's 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 a really specific thing that people are like, oh, you can't drink carbonated drinks, but like yeah, like that because it's like carbonic acid that makes it carbonated, like it messes up my whole system. So I like I can't I can't do it at all. Um, so. A couple of things I wanted to ask you. Uh, you're one of the few like creatives I know who like regularly attends church. Like, how do you think that informs like your creative process? Like, where you come from from a creative perspective? Like, how does that work for you? Hmm. You know, it doesn't doesn't work for me. Okay. I'm actually in a really lovely moment of huge doubt about the structure and the purpose of church itself. Okay. Um, I do believe as a believer in Christ that I should definitely fellowship with other believers of Christ and like um, glorify him and like just really um, be in the presence of the Holy Spirit like that's important to me I mean I don't really know how I would actually make it as an as a creative I mean I'm like I'm I the more that I observe other people that I admire I'm just kind of like ooh, I'm definitely a, I'm definitely under that um, category of tortured soul <laughs> like I may not appear it but um, I think it's I know, I know I don't, and that, I'd actually say that's actually God. <laughs> so, like, I mean, I think it's because I, 
I suffered from depression and, and still do um, for years. Yeah. So um, suffer is a, sort of a strong word. I'll say that, you know, I deal with it, right? And I manage it. I have, I, I have a therapist. I actually would say that right now in my life, it's like I, I am blessed to have like a, a solid therapist. Um, I'm, I'll call her a counselor. A therapist feels so very hokey these days because um, I'm like my therapist. Um, I have a good counselor. I have um, a really great life coach. I know. Isn't that crazy? I know. She's awesome. And I have a really good pastor. But my pastor, who I love, is actually in D.C., where I went to school. Um, very much like a father figure for me and just sort of like really speaking life into me and like reminding me that God loves me. So I'd say that's kind of where I come from. I, I'll be honest, like sometimes... When I'm around, um, it's more like it's more like talking. It's more like talking to atheists that I'd say, I feeling when when somebody wants to assume that I'm dumb for believing. That's where I'm kind of like, we don't need to be around each other. Right. But at the same time, then there are also Christians who don't understand my work. So I'm always I always feel like I'm always in the state of kind of like giving myself the space to like have very much a a personal relationship with God so that when I'm interacting with anybody, I know where I stand. I think it's like, especially a time like this where like every day I'm bombarded with these like white evangelicals screaming at me about, you know, you know, Trump um, needs to be forgiven. And I'm just kind of like, okay, so you're, you're deranged and, and you're a pastor of a church. And it, it's, so I'm getting better at sort of really seeking the heart of God for people. Because I just love people. I think that's how I was. I was raised a Catholic, but then I left the Catholic church, um, just because I just didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, and then I guess you can call it, I became a Protestant. And yeah, I attend what you'd say is a evangelical church, but more I see it as more of a, a gospel-driven church. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in a mega church or whatever, but I, I definitely am, with the people that I surround myself with, like I have really solid, awesome sisters, like, sorry, sisters, like meaning like sisters in Christ. Like I have awesome people who I love, pray for me, and we're awesome. But um, church itself should not be, I just don't think it should be as exclusionary as it feels to people. Um, I really do like the, I just like the work that it takes for me to like have faith that things will be okay or like be being able to have a different view of processing tragedy. That's a major thing for me. Like, you know, like with the thing that happened in Haiti, like really being able to have peace that like tragedy is like so shitty, but like there's it's bigger than, like, our lives are, like, bigger than us. And I think that's kind of where I fall as a, as a believer, as somebody who's kind of, like, I, I really do believe that my life is, like, this tiny little thing in, like, a greater story of creation. Um, so that's kind of where my, my head has been. And then, and then, like, I don't know. Being in Cambridge, summer of a Boston, is so very fascinating for somebody who, um, operates on an intellectual level but also a heart spiritual level because it's they don't feel actually in contradiction ever it's more that when I'm talking with somebody about anything I'm processing that but I'm also processing it on a spiritual level does that make sense so it feels less like my faith is in is 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 a what do you call it sorry it doesn't align with my my beliefs concerning um feminism and 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 gay rights and healthcare and what else um racial reconciliation racial justice it's more that i'm viewing it and i'm viewing it as i would as as i think christ would view it okay. so that's where i'd say the fluffiness of it and why 
it is hard to, it's not hard to communicate it. I think that I just know where I stand. It's like sort of like my view, my, not my views, but more like how I view things, how I'm able to like see something. I'm like, yeah, but I do think that God loves that person. Um, so I don't know. That's kind of the sort of roundabout way of saying I, I still, I'm still trying to figure out what me doing comedy and being an actress, how it works and how, how it works with like my faith. But I will say that I do feel called to, with my art, say something. Um, it can seem political, it can seem faith-based, it can seem something based on any other given day, but I really truly believe that I'm, I'm doing this for a reason. And you mentioned that like, and this is definitely based on my perspective, so I went to church all growing up, uh, and there were like, I'm from, the, I'm from North Carolina, there were white churches and black churches, but like in your church, it's like, a variety of different types of people? So that's what I'd say when I said that I'm in a place where I'm trying to understand the structure. I go to a church that is actually very racially diverse, but I, it's very culturally white. Okay. So I am dealing with um, my comfort level and, my, and managing my mental and emotional <laughs> health, knowing that like even the songs that we're singing are like very white. Yeah. So I'm interested in sort of like reconciling the fact that as somebody who's African and knowing that like colonization and, you know, evangelism is like yeah. it's it's kind of messy and I don't think that the church has ever said we apologize <laughs> and that was messy but I feel like black Christians because I, I don't know if you'll notice but like a lot of black Christians are actually really liberal and progressive <laughs> whatever you want to call that politically and I think it's because we know that we experience oppression yeah. but it's not this kind of like in the sweet by and by, but I, I do see my relationship with God as this way of like him helping me deal with shit, yeah. right? Okay, so part of that is also realizing if I'm not comfortable in church, I need to figure that out. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like, I don't see myself leaving church. I see myself, like right now I would say that I think what I'm really looking for, especially with this move, I think that's actually what it is, is that like, I mean like Boston is just so white sometimes. Yes. So I want to be among more artists who are Christian, more black artists who are Christians, and like, and then just like be among like just people and be able to also like sing songs that are not just like, like this like white girl, this white guy like strumming a guitar and yeah. singing about Jesus yeah. and like waves and oceans and shit. Like, yeah, it's just really weird. And I think that's what I'm realizing. So the blessing of this time for me right now is I've actually been like purposefully like linking arms with like other black female Christians yeah. and being like, okay, we are some radical crazies like <laughs> let's talk about this like let's like support each other let's pray for each other and figure out how to operate in a very white environment so I would say that the segregation that still exists in churches it's disgusting I don't think that's ever it's, I don't think it's ever how Christ however I don't think it's ever how Jesus would ever have wanted that um, but unfortunately it is how it is because culture is very powerful right so especially in an election like this that's so polarizing and like literally like I know that I'm among white people and white Christians. I'm doing I'm doing quotation marks who like flat out don't like me. They don't like they don't like my skin. They don't like my voice. They don't like um, who I am. Yeah. So I have to contend with that, but also believe that because there are those these like tiny humans that God is greater. Yeah. So I think that's kind of how I've been dealing with being in the church that I'm in right now and just knowing that you know, God help me because I can't this is not this is not sustainable yeah. so I'd say I'm very interested in the relationship between my mental emotional and spiritual health and how they can feed each other and not just be like yes go to church every Sunday I don't even go to church every Sunday girl please I go to church like once a month because it's 
I, I've never, I've always, I believe in unity and I do think that like Christians should gather and blah, blah, blah and blah, 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 all that shit that we talk about all the fucking time. But I ultimately believe that like if my relationship with God is like not solid, if I'm feeling like, mm, I need, I need to take a step back yeah. and not, and it's not to retreat. It's not to say like, Ooh, Jesus, you good. And we, we not good anymore. It's actually not, it's even deeper than that. It's like, I want to be, I want to be better. I want to be better with God. Yeah. So you humans, you people, you're, you're really distracting me from my relationship with God. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say that's kind of the basic thing that I'm dealing with right now. That's, that's it's cool that you're assessing that. I, uh, I used to be religious. I wouldn't say I'm atheist, uh, but it is like this thing that, interest me from like a, okay, I experienced it in this way. How did other people experience it? So like you said you were raised Catholic. How did that inform like, okay, I'm not Catholic anymore? <laughs> to be honest, this is going to sound awful. Because mind you, I left the church before the, um, the, the scandals. Oh, yeah. I left before the scandals. So what it was was I didn't understand why, why the fathers couldn't get married. Yeah. I thought it was weird. I was kind of like, you don't want to be with a person? That's weird. Like, I, mean, I think I would ask my mom and be like, why is Father John, like, single? And then when I saw, too, like, how they really believe that, like, the wine, like, really was blood, and I was kind of like, yeah, that's really weird. Like, I was just, like, as a little girl, I didn't get it. And I think that even the image I often talk about in my writing, I would say, like, I think the path that I do need to end up on is sort of, like, the humorist path, like, where I'm just sort of, like, sitting like David Sedaris style and just like reading essays that I write <laughs> just so I can get them out to the world. Yeah. Um, but a lot, a lot of my essays actually talk about like this idea of like the bronze Jesus or whatever they cast these like statues in. Like he looks so sad and like he's so wretched and like you look up for comfort but like you just see like bronze Jesus like crying yeah. and there's like blood coming from his head from the thorns. I'm just kind of like, see, he rose again. I don't know if I want to always like see that. Yeah. Um, so personally for me, like, I don't wear a cross. Like, I'm always on the verge of, like, wanting to wear a cross because I want to, but then I'm also like, eh, I'm good. Because yeah. I, I don't see my purpose to be, like, Christian. Like, yeah. like Superman, like, S on my chest. Like, I, I just want to live my life um, that glorifies God. So Catholic Church was just a weird, weird time. I learned a lot about the Gospels. Like, I think that that's what, it was more like, it felt very educational. Like, I kind of soaked up all the kind of, like, Okay, they went there, they went there, they healed that person, da-da-da. But in terms of even how they addressed the Old Testament, I never felt like I understood what we were talking about. So, I don't know, I guess that was just kind of it. And, and you know what's funny, though? Being in a Catholic church that was primarily white, um, but also with, like, some, because I'm from Lowell, so which with, with some immigrants um, in between, it, that's, it never, although I do have this one story of, like, this old white woman, like, totally... Um, being awful to my dad and saying like, it was actually my sister's baptismal. Yeah, um, my father was late and this old white woman said, um, I don't want to sit next to that black man. Yeah, I never get, she was like, I don't want to sit next to that black man. Like she just, she said it. Yeah, so that scarred me obviously, but I think what really, what really scarred me were just sort of, I had all these questions that I didn't think I was gonna get answered here. And also the Catholic Church doesn't deal with the Holy Spirit. They don't, they don't deal in the Trinity really and how we assume like, you know, like, you know, the Son of God, Father God, Holy Spirit who actually is here to comfort us, which is what I would say most contemporary Christians who are not Catholics would say like, that's, that, that should ideally I think be the big deal. If we're thinking about, if we believe in miracles and healing and, and um, the feely good feelings, that's the Holy Spirit. The Catholic Church doesn't deal with that. So I'd say all of that 
it's, it was more like what shaped me was leaving. Yeah. Knowing that I wasn't saying like, because you know, I have, I was, I got Holy Communion and everything at 13. It wasn't like, peace, like I'm out, like I hate y'all. It was more like, it's time for me to go. And I think that's the, that is healthy. And that's what I carry with me current day is like, if it's time for me to go, it's time for me to go. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, but hopefully I still hold on to um, the core of that. Because to be honest, I actually, I, I, conf- I confessed my faith when I was seven by myself. Oh, wow. Yeah, like I was, I talked to God in like a bathroom. Yeah. yeah, so it wasn't this kind of like, my mom like brought me to church and like told me. And I think that's again too, is that that's my blessing is yeah. I was never forced to go to church. I was forced. So that's what I'm saying is I meet, I call it church scars. I meet so many people with church scars and it really pains me because I, it's not that I feel like, like now, like, can you send it to save you? It's more <laughs> <Thank> like, you. <laughs> no, seriously. It's more like I, I'm able to hear that story and be like, I totally understand why you wouldn't want to go back. Yeah. Um, versus for me, I'm just kind of like, my mom is this odd, like hippie Nigerian immigrant. Like she just kind of was like, if you want to go, you know, you can go to church. You don't have to go. I love that Thank you. Slash deep inside, just kind of like, ah, Jesus, please, I want you to go to church. Like, I know deep inside, she's very much like, I want them to go, but she always gave us the choice. So, yeah, yeah, actually, like, I'm the only one that goes consistently. My siblings don't go. Yeah, but when we hang out and we talk, we all check in. We're kind of like, hey, you good? You praying? Yeah. But do I force them to go to church? Hell no. (laughs) They don't have to go to church. (laughs) Relationship with God? No. So that's where I stand. Nice. So we're coming up on the end of the recording, and I tend to ask people a few questions at the end. Uh, so first, you say that you're going to be moving away from Boston. What are some of the things that you're going to miss? Oh, that's a great question. The coffee shops. Okay. I was in L.A. Um, for vacation. Yeah, it was really good. It was like so warm. <laughs> yeah. The major thing that I noticed was like it was just really hard to just sit my ass down in a coffee shop. Like, I feel like the coffee shops were not study places. They were not places where I can have an office. They were places to have my little cortado, or whatever they call it, and to, like, people watch. So that was hard. I'm going to miss the coffee shops. And I'm going to miss, um... What will I miss? I'll miss miss the seasons. That's, I mean, very kind of stereotypical to say. But I will. I'll miss, like, being able to, like, throw on a sweater and, like, throw on some boots and, like, feel, like, really fly. You know. That seems so... F- I hate winter with a passion. That it's so funny. And it's getting worse for me. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, as somebody who... The sun is healing for me. Like, I just need... I can't do this anymore, Kanise. I can't. It's too cold here. The only comfort that I have in the season of change is knowing that, like, you know, like, my clothes maybe look a little less... Because, honestly, in the summer, I dress like a little girl. Like, I put on these clothes, and I'm like, why do I look 15? <laughs> but in the fall, I look immediately older. So I'm just like, okay, I look more mature. I think that's kind of it, to be okay. honest. Like, I'm somebody who, when I have friends, if we're solid friends, you will know, and we will catch up when we catch up. Yeah. So it's not, I've never felt like I'm leaving a community. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, God, I'm an awful person. Um, but, um, yeah, I'd say, I, it, I know it's sad, but I was actually, I was thinking about this question that you're asking me last week, at randomly. I was kind of like, what would I miss? It's coffee shops. Because it is, it is, we don't think about this, but... And maybe the universities, I don't know what it is, but it's culturally specific that we all, like, we're kind of like, hey, you want to meet up? Yeah, want to go to the cafe? Like, I did not, like, do cafe stuff in L.A. when I was hanging out with friends. Like, it was yeah. kind of just like, hey, do you want to meet at, like, this, the street? Like, yeah. like you want to yeah. walk around, yeah. go to that record store? And I'm like, record store? What's that? Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't, they don't yeah. sit. They don't. And I, I, I mean, that's a, a total, there were a couple 
But this is, to me, very culturally a Boston thing, to yeah. sit down in a coffee shop and, like, talk about things. Yeah. yeah, I did notice that when I moved. So I lived in L.A. for, like, two and a half years. And, like, on the East Coast, our third place is coffee shops. We go there to work. Uh, and, like, yeah, like, it's, it's a workplace, but it's, like, also, like, where do you do your side hustle it's in a coffee shop or it's like that sort of thing whereas in LA like I'm not saying that people don't have side hustles in LA they 100% do but like they do stuff in their houses and then they go to like the beach and then like yeah like it's just not the same thing and also moving they were like oh can you still gonna be fine because people from Boston work really hard like they just work all the time and LA people they like have fun and stuff so like you'll be fine <laughs> like that was the major like oh yeah east coast people versus west coast people that is so true. I um, That's actually true. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the question that I ask people, and this, like, feel free to take your time, but what is something that people would be surprised to find out about you or, like, a, like a secret that you haven't told anybody? God. Take your time. Oh, Kenise, you're so, so evil. Because um, <laughs> it's a good question. I just try to get scoops so that people will listen to my podcast. I th- but the thing is, I do think about my secrets a lot, so I don't have really intense secrets. I mean, I'm like anybody. Okay. I think I have something. I mean, it's not, like, intense, because it's, like, it's yeah, totally... Well, it feels intense. I mean, I think... I mean, I could say, like, I love Peter Cetera, but that's just, like... Who? <laughs> the lead singer of Chicago. I know that they're a band, but that's like a recent discovery. Like, I don't... I, I'm a huge 80s soft rock person. Really? Yeah, that's like my thing. Yeah, it's... um. I guess when I say it out loud, and I don't think people... I'm just like, you can't see it on me? Like, that's who I... How do I see that? <laughs> Maybe I just... That's the problem. I think in my head, I'm like, I pair differently. Um, yeah, I love 80s soft rock. Like, um, that's what I, I, I listen to for sort of like... And I don't know why I love it. I mean, I, I think it's because I grew up on, like, listening to 106.7, Magic 106.7. Do you know that, Sissy? Nope. Okay, so... I've never had a car in Boston, so I don't know, like, radio stations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, um, it's like soft rock. Yeah, soft rock in Boston. That's, like, that's my stuff. I get annoyed because now they play all this, like, contemporary shit. And I'm like, no, it's the best of 80s and 90s. The best of 80s and 90s and early 2000s. No, 80s and 90s. Um, yeah, I... I once, um, Peter Cetera was at the Hatchback in Boston. Sorry, the Hat Shell. Behead, Hat Shell. And um, I was in a rehearsal that I was not feeling. This happens a lot, actually. I always feel like, see, I'm trying to pare down the amount of things I don't like to do. And I ran from BU to um, Charles MGH, and the concert had ended. And I wanted to meet him in person. Yeah, so I don't know. That, that's just sort of my comfort is like, um, what songs do I love? Like, um, Next Time I Fall. Um, I can even sing, like, in the 80s. Like, I, what else do I love? Um, uh, or, you know that song, like, More Than Words, baby? Yeah, like, I love, that's, like... Really? Yeah, yeah. So, again, like, everybody thinks I have an eclectic... And I do have eclectic taste. Yeah. Like, right now, like, you know, some really good, like, female-driven R&B is, like, my thing. Yeah. Um, like, I saw King last night. Um, they were amazing. But I grew up listening to all of this soft rock. And that's sort of like, yeah. And it's, I, and I think in some ways, because my last boyfriend, I like played a song for him that like was really dear to my heart and he didn't like it. And it like really, really hurt my feelings. So one of my fears is that I'm gonna never meet anybody who shares my taste in music. So I guess that's say like nobody would know that about me. It's like, it's it, because I think 
I try not to think too much about my black female. Of course, I'm always thinking about my black female identity. Fuck that, okay? Don't lie. I think what I'm saying is I try not to think too much about how there may be contradictions in it, but it's more that when I know what I love, it just feels like, oh, and this is never going to work out for me. So I think it's just a fear. I think that, unfortunately, I do have this fear. See, you weren't, you weren't ready for that twist. It's like my 80s music as a metaphor for <laughs> my love life. But as somebody who's very single and, and, and I'm comfortable with that, it just, it just it terrifies me that I'm never going to meet anybody. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's the... And I think that's also partly about being in Boston this long is like, girl, your set was amazing. But the one I actually, I just loved when you said, like, I am not dating white guys anymore. And then, like, black guys, do they even date, they, they don't even date black girls. And it was just funny you said that, and then you opened for W. Kamau about who's married to a white woman. I know. Oh, dear God. That was amazing. I thought about not saying that. No, and then I was like, I, it's part no. of the joke. I got to say it. You got to say it. Fuck yeah. that, please. Um, it is a fear. And it's funny, because I'm, I'm actually more attracted to black guys than I am to white guys. But, like, black guys do not... And I've dated, like, I think my, 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 my track record, so essentially this is what people want to know about me. It's like, I have an awful track record as a, as, as a, as a woman so far in my life. Like, um, no, this is what people want to know about me, is I'm a virgin. Yeah, so that's, that's what I'd say I'd put, I would be comfortable because I'm now writing material about that. It's, it's taken me a while to, to kind of share it, but I'm technically a virgin. <laughs> Yeah, that's like, whenever someone says, I'm technically something, that always implies, like, a series of, like, something. So I don't call myself a virgin. Like, I'm not, that's what I mean about, like, about Christianity and, like, like, part of what I, I, I struggle with, uh, with American Christianity is, like, this, this weird idea of what purity means. Yes. Like, even for, like, women, like, who've had abortions, who've had sex, I don't care how many partners you've had. Like, we, we honestly, like, we demonize them. Like, and I think, like, slowly some pastors are not doing that, and they're literally preaching, like, love and grace, like Jesus would. But I'm really fascinated even as somebody who, and I'm going to say technically meaning, like, I've just, I mean, I've done all this shit. Like, to me, like, I, I actually consider myself a very sexual person. Like, I have a sexuality. I just choose not to, when I'm dating somebody, I just don't want, I don't want to sleep with them personally. Um, that's just me. But that's what I mean, like, technically is because, like, I feel like I've done enough to say that, like, I've done some things. Yeah. I've, yeah. Been, I've been intimate with some men. Yeah. They've, they've seen me. I, don't, I wish they had them, but they've, <laughs> they, they saw me. They didn't, they didn't deserve to see me. Um, but, yeah, I, have, I, I've, I think I've almost slept with guys, like, three times I've almost lost my virginity. Yeah. Where, like, it's been so close, so close. <laughs> almost. <laughs> tip. No, not a tip, no. <laughs> Girl. That's what I'd say is, like, but part of it is um, I'm very, very, very... It's not even kind of like my husband waiting for my husband. I just, I just really want to find a good partner who gets me, who, like, listens to Eric Clapton, like, <laughs> things that mean a lot to me, and I just have... I like that you put, like, who gets me and listens to Eric Clapton, as though, like, you know... I need both of these things. <laughs> these are both equally important. <laughs> they are important to me, and that's the problem. Is like I, my last boyfriend was actually 2013. I haven't dated since then. Yeah. Gone on a couple dates. They've been really bad. Um, I've had to kiss guys on stage, and I'm just kind of like, I hate that this is my life. <laughs> I hate that like I only get action in character. It's awful. Um, so I think that's kind of what people want to know about me. Is like. 
I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of insecure. Like, I'm kind of like, I have a lot of doubt about like my ability to kind of lasso in a, a gentleman. <laughs> I, uh, listeners, you can't see. There was a lassoing motion, and then like, in mixing metaphors, like a really get a fish. It was a fish. It was lasso, and then I fished them in. Is that what they call it? Is that what the fish? They fished them. And then I reeled them in. Whatever, man. I've been here too long. I do think that other scenes are... Um, and when I say scenes, I mean cities. I don't know why. Like I automatically think comedy scenes. Um, I do think other cities are better for dating. Like yeah. They say... Um, and this was an article that came out. It was like, where's the best place for women? And it said Massachusetts. And I was like, I think that's for white women. I think... Women. Yeah. Even in my church, like a huge thing that me and some of the black women in my church are talking about is just like, we don't date. Like we assume that church is this place where you like link up with guys and everything. But I, I, I honestly have peace about this now. I'm just kind of like, I ain't going to meet a person in church. That's not my goal. But even more so, it's not my goal because like the options are not there. Like literally like all these white girls and like some basic white bitches just be like bagging these dudes. And I'm just kind of like, the fuck? Yeah. So I've been thinking a lot about sort of like my personal presence and like, do I intimidate and like, but I think I've just come to the term that like, I am just fly as fuck and you don't really know what to do with me. So I'm just going to assume that, you know, I'm good. So that's kind of where I do have peace about it. Cause I'm kind of like, oh, at least I'm, I'm warding off the bad guys. Like, you know, like with my, with my kryptonite, like just bye. Um, but really I, I would hope that, um, when I move, um, and when I travel, that I'll just be able to like, just meet some like people. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> right. I 100% understand where you are coming from. Okay, so any final thoughts for the listeners? Even, like, this is what you should order if you go to Diesel Cafe and it's not the coffee. No, do not come here unless you have shit to get done. <laughs> um, my oatmeal is very, it's getting very cold. Um, no, I'm just thinking of things that I wanted to say. My oatmeal is very cold, but it's still really good. So I would actually really say that the organic oats and flax, ginger snap, instant oatmeal is very good from Whole Foods. No, Diesel Cafe is great. Don't come here on the weekends, yeah. guys. It's just, unless you want to drop like $26 on egg sandwiches and yeah. lattes, don't come here. <laughs> but if you, if, you need, if you need a work date, no, I'm not going to. I don't want a work date with you if you're a stranger. <laughs> greet me, ni- greet me politely, and I will greet you back. Guys, you heard it here. Greet Ovehi politely. Do not stalk her. Uh, also, do not try to sit down with her. She is working. <laughs> All right, guys. This has been Person About Town, presented by Women in Comedy Festival. Thank you so much, and have a great day. Bye. Bye. Bye.